When I was in seminary, I had a professor said that a pastor should always be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. In March, I will celebrate 65 years in ministry. I began in 1959 in St. Petersburg, Florida. One Sunday morning, my wife and I were attending the Northside Methodist Church. The pastor's name was Austin McCoy. I would never forget his name. And during the hymn, he came down from the chancellaria and said to me, God has told me that you're supposed to bring the message this morning. <laughs> Erica, I don't know about you, but I didn't think I heard God's voice. <laughs> and my wife said to me, what are you going to do? And I said, I guess I'm going to preach. And she said, what are you going to say? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and fortunately, she always had a pad with her, a pad of paper. And so she gave me the pad, and I started writing down a few notes, and I got up and preached. He actually invited me to come back again sometime, but he gave me more time to prepare. <laughs> I was reading my book on Friday afternoon and received a text from Pastor Dave. What are your plans for the weekend? <laughs> and I said, well, I plan to be around. He said, well, I'm not feeling well. You might want to think about preparing a sermon if I can't make it, but I hope to be there. Okay. So I went into my room where I have all my sermons, about 1,700 of them, and I thought, Lord, what am I going to preach about? And what do I do if I'm supposed to preach? I don't have a lot of time. And uh, Saturday morning, Dave wrote me, I will let you know by noon. I thought, you better get busy, Jack. So I started going and writing the sermon and taking what I had before and just using it and, and adapting it to the situation or changed many things throughout it. About noon, I said, David, well, I have something in case you need it. Oh, I'm not making a decision yet. I'll wait till 2. <laughs> 2 2.30, I get a text. You're on, Jack. So what I did is I got on the phone and then texting and started writing friends who I knew how to pray. And I said, pray for me. And I thank those of you that have and those of you that have prayed even this morning. And it's a delight for me to minister alongside of Erica, whom I have tremendous respect. Our second text of the morning is from Matthew chapter 5. Verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. Rather, they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let us pray. Oh God, on this last Sunday of 2023, 
I pray the words of that well-known majestic hymn. Oh, God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast in our eternal home. A thousand ages in thy sight are like an evening gone, short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. O oh God, our lives are in your hands. At midnight tonight, we begin a new year. The old will be history. The new is yet to unfold before us. You are our hope. In you, we recommit our lives for the challenges ahead. And we pray this in the name of the Lord, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I happen to be one of those people who complains about how dark it is in the morning when I get up and how dark it is when I eat my dinner at night. I love it when the sun is shining when I rise in the morning and when the sun shines in the early daylight evening hours, early evening hours. I every day keep an eye on the internet weather report to see when the sun will rise and the sun will set. Did you know that on December 21st of each year, we have only nine hours and 35 minutes of light. Did you know that? How many knew that? Oh, there's a few, all right. One more for you. On June 21st, we will have 14 hours and 25 minutes of daylight. This is always one of my favorite days. <laughs> I guess maybe I should temper my consternation on these short days. Recently, I was reading about a town called Barrow, located in the farthest northern tip of the state of Alaska, above the Arctic Circle. I'm not sure I'll complain again, at least not the rest of the day, for I read that the sun sets on the afternoon of November 18th and doesn't rise again until January the 24th. Can you imagine? 65 days when the sun doesn't shine. And I hear that when the sun does shine for a brief moment on January 24th, the whole town comes out to celebrate because, again, light has come. What the prophet Isaiah was writing about was a different type of light than the one celebrated in Barrow, but nonetheless, it's written to those who walk in darkness. Arise, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. The results of God's light that shines through the darkness is far more spectacular than anything that could be experienced 
in northern Alaska or even in Los Gatos. Today is the last Sunday of the Christmas season. Saturday is the official beginning of the Epiphany season. What does the word Epiphany mean? An Epiphany is when something reveals itself or shows itself, a sudden intuitive leap of understanding. For example, Barrel, Alaska, after 65 days, the sun finally reveals its glory to everyone. That's an epiphany. In the church year, the epiphany season is when the Son of God reveals his glory for everyone to see, the glory that is only found in his one and only Son, Jesus the Christ. You can sum up epiphany season with one phrase, from darkness to light. So God says to you and to me, arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. God pictures our world as a very dark place, spiritually dark. Isaiah wrote, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over all the peoples. One cannot help but be reminded of those very first verses from the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, and God said, let there be light. Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God reaching out to those whom he created, who were continually rebelling and choosing to walk in darkness rather than light. Overture, overture after overture was rebuffed, and the time came for Isaiah, when Isaiah's prophecy would be fulfilled, and the light God promised would make his entrance on the world scene, would make his entrance on the world scene in the person of the one and his only son, Jesus the Christ. Through him, writes John, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been named. In him was life, and that life was the light of all men and women. The light shines in the darkness. Only his son Jesus was qualified to declare himself as the light. Only Jesus could prepare, promise the light to those in darkness. Only Jesus could say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Only Jesus can make the claim that he's the only one who is capable of lighting up our lives, of those who willingly follow him and declare him as Savior. I think Debbie Boone put it well in that best-selling song, you light up my life, you give me hope to carry on, you light up my days and fill my nights with song. Friends, only Jesus can do that.
Only Jesus could do that. In the beginning, God declared, let there be light. Through Isaiah, God promised, the light has come, the glory of the Lord will come upon you. And Jesus said, in essence, through John, I am the light. I am the light of the world. And finally, he spoke to each and every one of us here today. You. You and you and you and you in the balcony. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before all you meet, that they'll see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. Friends, don't be a dim bulb. Be a bright light and let that light shine through you. And others will see Christ through you. This is the greatest compliment that's ever been paid to a Christian. God created light. Jesus was the light. And he passes that on to us and commands us as a Christian that we are to be lights in a darkened world. Now, mind you, Jesus does not such suggest that we are the producers of the light. We are the re reproducers of his light, his reflection of light to the world. He's the light. We are reflectors of the light. So let your light shine, shine, shine. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he promised that his works would be performed. We would do also what he had been doing. He was the light. You are the light. He's the light of the world. We are the lights in the world. We're to be seen as Jesus' people to the world. We're to guide others toward the light by example. We're to shine in the darkness nights as Jesus' people. We are by our own deeds to be a reflection of what Jesus would do. And we're always pointing to Jesus, the ultimate light, not to ourselves. So friends, arise, shine, for your light has come. Show forth that light wherever you may be. Sing with me, will you? This little light of mine. Come on. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. You sound like Presbyterians. <laughs> One more time, I want to hear you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you? Sing it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. best made plans by men. <laughs>